Hi, Arvind, and welcome to the podcast. I'm really, really excited to have you in the Life Tech Show. And uh, I think apart from being a friend, you've always been an inspiration. So I think it'll be great for people to know more about your journey and your story and about your company and surely as well. So diving deep into that. So, But before that, so how are you and how have you been? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me here today. I think... Uh... Uh, I've not achieved anything significant in my life, but I think I have a thing or two to share about the journey that I've taken so far in the last couple of years. Uh, it's been surreal for myself. Uh, I think I'd be glad if uh, you can learn a thing or two from from whatever I did. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've been I'm, I've been doing good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm doing great as well, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited as well about this particular podcast um, because there's going to be loads of insights for professionals and people stepping out there thinking of building a company. So it will be a great guideline for them. So uh, you know, uh, with your education background, so when was this point where you know you were probably done your your bachelor's and then you worked in a company and then you did your master's? So where was this point where you thought? You know, I'm not going to work in a company, but I'm going to start a company of my own. And this is what the idea is. Like, where was this breaking point? And did anyone inspire you over this journey in your educational background or while you were in company? Or what was the starting point of all of this? I think I've asked myself this question multiple number of times, right? But when was the point that you decided to be an entrepreneur? When when did you decide that startups was your destiny? I think it's always been a part of me, right? Um, so... When I went to school in Chennai, um, I, I, I'm, I'm privileged to be one of the best schools in the city. And uh, I, I happened to be a prefix captain and, and the leadership journey started there. So that's one part of your entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've always found myself to be a leader. Right, and mm-hmm. Wherever I went, I just made it a habit that uh, I, I was standing out and it came naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went into university, when I I did my bachelor's in engineering, uh, electronics and communications, and you might know the whole uh, hassle of doing engineering yeah. in Chennai. It's it's like every topic in hell you does it, and and I was genuinely interested in engineering. So within mm-hmm. all that chaos, uh, I chose engineering for myself, not my parents, and mm-hmm. I was genuinely curious about the way things work. Part of it comes from my father, I believe. Uh, he. He was an engineer himself. Uh, he didn't do an engineering degree, but he made himself an engineer just okay. by working his way up. Uh, and I think that inspired me. Uh, that's that's always inspired me. The kind of work he does. He used to work with like big, uh, you know, sort of valves that 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 you use in your pipelines and all of that. And and he, and you see a tiny man, your your dad standing next to these huge walls that that valves that they built in this company. And it was like genuinely exciting for me as like a six-year-old or a 10-year-old and so engineering was something that that i always wanted to do but when i went into engineering i i I always thought i'm curious to know the happenings uh behind how things work but as i went in there i was like all right i'm here now i kind of understand how things work um what do i do Mm -hmm. and i think slowly that question started transitioning me into like you got to be a creator like Mm -hmm. uh, you got to be someone uh, who can use your knowledge to create something, right? I always joke to my friends, my colleagues, and you know, if, if I did do my engineering, I could probably become, you know, a singer or, or a writer or something like that because um, art is something that has always inspired me. I'm, I'm secretly a big singer, and um, and uh, <laughs> no. I, I, I write a lot. I, I, I've just not published anything. And and so all of this, right, the... the <laughs> aspiration to be a creative and uh and 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 the curiosity towards how things work that cultivated the thing in me like you you gotta go towards that creation that the one thing that drives the purpose in your life and that could be some kind of creation and that and i and i think that mindset mm-hmm. um brought me to this one and only place which is like mm-hmm. build your own startup uh because in chennai you can see like everybody wants to sort of start up like everybody Startups are a thing. Like Bangalore, Chennai, you go there. Um, people are t- talking about startups. It's so it's a part of your culture, um, yeah. and you everybody's at, at some stage of aspired to build their own startup, and and that's it, right? So I think I've not made any conscious effort uh, mm-hmm. to find this epiphany. Uh, it's just been a part of my life the journey mm-hmm. that I've taken, and uh, one thing or the other, it's just built up to. All right, this is your 
you know, calling. You got to mm-hmm. go find uh, what was the thing that you got to do. But but yeah, that's it. That, that That's how I became an entrepreneur, I believe. <laughs> that, that's a great thing. And yeah, with the engineering thing, I think everyone were pushed into engineering without the knowledge or without, yeah, I never wanted to do engineering myself in the first place, but I was pushed into it. Like, <laughs> So I think everyone knows that feeling. I do agree with that. Uh, that, that that was a great uh, journey. I mean, people usually think there is a conventional way to become an entrepreneur. You know, they think probably people have to be doing business in their own family or they should have circle around them. And they have a very conventional way, but you're given a very non-conventional way of how to actually become an entrepreneur and what's actually needed. And do agree that the mindset plays a very vital role there. Uh, so when you started the company, right? So Enshirley, so what, what is the idea behind Enshirley? So if you have to explain to our listeners as to what Enshirley is and how does it benefit people or what's the, like, the business logic or what's it actually? So first off, when I when Enshirley started, it was not supposed to be a business, right? Um, so what happened was, I, 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 I miserably failed, and very publicly failed in another startup uh, that I was very committed to. So uh, it was called Habit, and what I was trying to do in that startup was like track carbon footprint uh, of food consumption, food production itself, right? So and 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 also provenance. So this is it was this great idea, but mm-hmm. it had no commercial purpose, right? Yeah. Like people people love climate, uh, you know, to do something about climate change. And people do want to learn how, in what way they can impact uh, the the one degree goal or the three degree, whatever the goal that might be, the climate goals. Um, So I think uh, I I wanted to be a part of that and I wanted to create for that. And I I genuinely related myself to it, but it's just never got a commercial angle. And uh, we came very close to fundraising, but then... It mm-hmm. fell through, right? <clears throat> so at the back end of it, I was just thinking to myself, like uh, I was doing a master's in mm-hmm. technologies and just thinking to myself, like maybe I should take a couple of years break because mm-hmm. all that I did since since my graduation, believe it or not, are startups. Like mm-hmm. I, I did work for TCS, um, um, you know, a year, but um, it was it was never about the work. It was just about having a routine and, you know, probably you know, going having a chat with my girlfriend. Um, but, but it was never about you know, um, the job itself. So th- that said, um, I wanted to take a couple of years break and, um, I, I just wanted to go build something for my final project for my master's. And I did that. Like I, and, and whatever I do, I wanted to, I want that to, you know, sort of be meaningful. So mm-hmm. it, it should not be just another project. And, uh, what I found curious was, road accidents um, and road accidents genuinely affected me in a personal way. Uh, I won't go into too a detail, but it affects me in a very personal detail. But so I wanted to do something about it. And I was doing FinTech. How mm-hmm. can a project about road accidents and insurance is the obvious choice. So mm-hmm. I, I looked at 20, 000, 20 years of like uh, collision data uh, that was available through road safety authority. And it was easy because I was a student. So they gave that data to me and then started looking at the data and, um, and uh, yeah, to give some background, I do know some coding and I do my know my way around building artificial intelligence and models and that, those kinds of stuff. So when I looked through the data, I, I found a lot of interesting patterns with weather conditions, road conditions, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. So uh, this idea that what if I fed weather conditions and road conditions in real time can i predict accidents before they can happen so i can stop them from happening you know mm-hmm. this wild you know fictionist uh you know i robot kind of idea but it kind of worked right at the end of the day i did build that model uh, which can predict the probability of accidents which mm-hmm. can build, predict the severity of accidents and to great accuracy and that's mm-hmm. it uh, i knew this was going to be that next thing and it was effortless because I was trying to do a completely different thing and mm-hmm. it just happened. And then in Shirley Founders Journey, uh, I understood that the model is too advanced for the insurance industry. So they still operate with legacy infrastructure. Mm-hmm. That means we have to build the infrastructure for them. So this mm-hmm. model can be in place. And while we were building that infrastructure, we understood that the insurance industry has so many other problems that you can solve with the same infrastructure. 
Mm-hmm. And then one thing led to the other. And what we have now is an end-to-end connected motor platform. So anything you do in motor insurance, uh, you can you can just build a digital innovation, uh, innovation on top of it. So you might be a commercial lines um, program director and you might want to like track the risk in real time of, of all the fleets that you're insuring. You can mm-hmm. do that. And, and so on and so forth. A lot of different interesting, very, very fresh ideas brought about by the insurance industry people are being executed by our team. Um, and in the coming, you know, couple of months, next three months is going to be like pivotal for us um, because we are starting to do some you know, groundbreaking, amazing things uh, that will definitely be getting, get, you know, start being noticed. So, yeah, so that's, that's the story of Insurly in, in, in I've, I've skipped a lot of things, but um, it started with me doing completely something, completely different stuff, and then uh, and I found a commercial opportunity in in that, and I wanted to focus on that. That's it. That's really interesting. I mean, your startup is a very, very innovative startup out of all the other startups out there, and uh, yeah, I mean, b- best of luck in the upcoming. Uh, steps that they're gonna gonna keep and apart from that like you know while you were building your company so definitely it was not just you it was like a whole team around you was it that way from the start or did you start with yourself and did you have a co-founder and then did you start bringing people one by one and then start building the team or what is like a mantra that you had for building a team around you to achieve the goals and mission of the company so an entrepreneur's journey is is often called a lonely journey. <clears throat> but I'd say it's, for a successful entrepreneur, if, you're lo- if your journey is lonely, then um, then it's going to be long. Mm-hmm. It's it's either going to be something that is groundbreaking, mm-hmm. that, that it's going to change humanity's course of life, mm-hmm. or it's going to be next to nothing, right? I, I learned that personally myself because I was a very lonely entrepreneur. Whatever I did, I, 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 I had this weird set of skills that I could actually build stuff myself mm. and I could market it myself because I was a product manager. I used to be a um, developer. Uh, I'm, I'm not a great developer, but I know my way around things mm-hmm. and I can build AI models and um, I'm not that bad at talking to people and, and reading them. So I, I, the initial tendency for people like myself, and there's so many of them out there. Um, you, you can, you can, like everybody's got their skills and um, they're good at one thing and then they hone it and they become good at many different things uh, as, as a part of that journey. So many people out there. I, I think you, you're one of those, right? Uh, I, I Initially, I found you, um, you know, you were not that hesitant to pick up the phone and talk to someone, right? And you know, the first time we met, this something similar happened. Like we were just getting on a phone call. Um, so so I've met so many other people like them and, and most often than not, their answer to their entrepreneurial journey is is to be shutting themselves behind a dark room and working on their big thing, right? But entrepreneurship or startups are anything but that. You mm-hmm. got to scream about yourself and you got to make others scream about you. Yeah. So the first year for Charlie um, was definitely by myself mm-hmm. and was painfully, painfully lonely because it was in the starting of like COVID and uh, I was stuck in this 10, I think 10 plus 15 room somewhere in Cork. And I just come to that city. Luckily for me, I, I was selected by a uh, student entrepreneurship program. So um, I had everyday chats. I was in target. People were making sure I was in target. But it was an extremely painfully lonely journey. Right, That's what it started. Um, but... I started talking to people. Mm-hmm. I, 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 every day I would pick up the phone, talk to someone new about my startup, about my idea. And I wouldn't say, I have this great groundbreaking idea and do you want to buy it? I, I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I would say like, I'm building this. I'd be very candid. I'm building this. I think it's got something. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion? Right? And then people come come up with very candid versions of what they would like to do with this. Okay. And, and that's how you build sort of ideas around it and people were very very collaborative i don't know if it's a thing about ireland in general mm-hmm. um people want to talk to you <laughs> and nobody says no to a good coffee yeah. chat and and i loved and i loved that honestly about about this country about being here 
and slowly that lonely journey became uh, less lonely of a journey and once i started having solid answers and i understood that all right this is the moment that you got to have a team around you that it's a viable business the question for me was was not ha- not about having you know i i had i knew several people like so many of them would have jumped on the ship with me but um it was about can i really give them something meaningful can mm-hmm. i actually sustain their lifestyles can i sustain their ambitions uh, that they have for themselves and and that question was answered uh, at a certain point in time in shorty's journey and that, that was it i i brought on a team um the first one was my cto um uh, luckily enough i met him in the co- i met him in core because he was not probably he was in the same student entrepreneurship programs pulling something amazing but i just told him like uh, come let's do even, something even more amazing and then he joined um and uh, and and that's how it started and and then everybody who i knew who i was going to know um joined so now we are about 10 people strong uh, mm-hmm. we have the backing of more than a dozen uh angel investors uh we have the backing of um large insurance companies like aviva um, we do have secured you know so it's it's not lonely it's we are making some noise and i think we are getting recognized as well so yeah i mean it will always be uh, lonely when you start with an idea because it is very little people are going to think the way you do but the moment um yeah, the moment you start talking about it it's, it's not going to be lonely anymore and it's important to do that uh, it's very important for an entrepreneur for startups in general you got to talk about what you're thinking talk about what you're doing and it's also important to have your own tribe around i agree i agree on that that is a great insight arvind so what would your typical work day look like so is it a hectic thing like do you really because i think when we when we first met i remember you wake, waking up at 4 or 5 o'clock and then i used to think to myself arvind really are you you're really hard working kind of you know i used to have that but i never told you but yeah what are your thoughts no, on no. <laughs> No yeah I I I think I mean by the way that's gone now I'm trying to get back to that routine I I don't wake up at 4 anymore I wake up something around like 6 um 6:30 and then yeah I, life takes on but you know the most productive life cycle I mean that's primarily because I I was in India and then I'm still getting myself uh, settled back here um so yeah you would typically go around like this like i wake up uh, usually it's 4 or 4:30 and um and i just get myself a coffee get myself a tea and sit in front of my laptop right the first thing that i do in my day uh when my mind's fresh mm-hmm. would be my business right i would uh, a lot of people would say that's not healthy for you um but just hold on hold the thought for a second right uh, so we i i would i would just look through all the stuff that's happening right it's it's the most silent time of the day mm-hmm. nobody's there to disturb me i'm by myself i'm by my own thoughts and i'm looking at everything and it gives me a very fresh perspective mm-hmm. and i don't do any work i just take a look at everything that's happening um and i start jotting down things mm-hmm. just for about 30 minutes and i know what what i got to do for that day by the end of that 30 minutes and it's it's a very important exercise for me personally because if i miss that exercise mm-hmm. for like two day two days in a row i start becoming less productive because i don't know what i'm doing because i i don't have an action plan yeah and and that's how it starts and that's quite important for me after that i should be getting some exercise um i should be going out for a run um maybe you know a bit of shadow boxing um but i'm not doing them now <laughs> um i am i'm i'm just still getting accustomed to uh after coming back from india i stayed about 8 months in india and now coming back here uh it's it's just everything is haphazard and still adapting um and i still manage the you know business in india which is like a subsidiary for the company in ireland so we can hire people there so all that going on i i think i'm giving myself too many reasons to not stick to my routine but that's that's typically what i would do in the morning um so by the time i go to work like by the time i have i'm talking to my people um i know what exactly i have to do i know what exactly they have to do for me i know what exactly i have to do to make them productive so on and so forth 
Um, and it's just about communicating the same with them, being very open. I'm mm-hmm. a very blunt person. So uh, I don't go sugarcoating things and I just go say, you know, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to be doing. Um, I've actually been bullshit about whatever I've been doing for the last five days. So I'm going to kill it. I'm going to change my approach from today. And I would say the same. Someone did something I thought was bullshit. And and we, we've sort of built this very receptive culture within the organization that anybody can say anything about mm-hmm. the work uh, without actually affecting the feelings of people. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, that receptive culture is so much important when you're in a small startup because you're course correcting all the time. Yeah. And everybody has new opinions. And if you're going to be pushing back opinions, you're going to get defensive about your opinions. Um, it's it's not going to be healthy. I mean, it, even if it's a, your own opinion, you, you should be very open and, and have a critical mindset. And as an engineer, you're trained to do that. Like, you know, you, you go with an assignment and most often than not, uh, your assignment is told it's bullshit by your professor. And you're sort of, you're sort of built for that. Uh, so it's natural for me. It's hard creating that culture within the organization. Um, you have to start from the recruiting. You have to start about that from it. But I think I'm deviating now. Um, so, uh, I yeah, I, I, I didn't have... Uh, my workday goes about having a lot of phone calls and all of that. Uh, but typically, my evenings, um, it's it's about getting myself ready for the next day. Uh, it should be about you know getting your chores together, maybe doing some cooking uh, so you don't have to cook on the day. Mm-hmm. And and so on and so forth. And um, I do watch a lot of TV. Like I'm a big movie buff. So um, so when I say TV, I would I would watch like a movie. Um, if if I'm like if if it was a long day, it definitely calls for like a really nice movie towards the end of that day. And and that's how I wind down. I read a lot of books. So most of the day uh, days, I'm like trying to skim through a few pages um, of my books that I've already read or. I might, I might be reading that time. Um, I guess that's it. Uh, I don't really remember when I sleep. Uh, somewhere in that murky, watching TV, reading the book, I fall asleep. Uh, I think that's it. And then the alarm goes off. Same thing continues. Okay. But um, what is your take on preventing burnout and, you know, getting rid of procrastination? This is like a whole loop, isn't it? Do you still go through it now? Or initially yeah. when did you have it? Look, I mean, I'm procrastinating all the time. I I wouldn't say I wouldn't claim myself to be like a, a proactive person at all. So <laughs> I, but the only way you can, only way you can, you know, sort of alleviate procrastination is by being proactive. So um, I think I read this somewhere. We we make like thousands of decisions every day, starting from what to where to and and. You know, you can see like Mark Zuckerberg wearing the same T-shirt or, you know, I don't know if he watches it or not, but he wears the same T-shirt. And then Steve Jobs wearing, you know, doesn't even give a shit. But I, by the way, I'm wearing black, but doesn't mean I wear, wear black all day. I, I don't. But yeah, I mean, you've seen those crazy stuff, but it helps. The truth is, if you, if you make most of the decisions for yourself yeah. before the day starts, so you see the 4.30 routine, 4 to 4.30 routine, that's about making my decisions for the day, the most important decisions. And decisions about priorities, I make that when I'm fresh, my mind's fresh. And then as the day, as the day goes on, your, your, your brain starts making poorer and poorer decisions. Mm-hmm. So by the time you are at 8 p.m., uh, your brain is craving for some alcohol or maybe a bite, mm-hmm. maybe that dessert, right? So... And that's why your brain starts taking poorer decisions. So that's why your dinner is probably the most um, calorific, rich food than your morning breakfast. So, I mean, uh, what I'm trying to say is if you can make more decisions for you mm-hmm. before that decision actually occur, mm-hmm. that'll be great. Example, um, I have something called like a weekly meal planner. Okay. So I don't have to think about what I'm going to be cooking that day. Mm-hmm. Like, Trying to think what what you can cook is like the most exhausting thing for me. Yes, and 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 it's the most important thing for you as well uh, for any human being. Like you, you gotta know what you what you're putting in, inside you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I think I make that decisions prior. Like mm-hmm. I make it during the weekends. 
on a Sunday evening, I would just sit down and look at my weekly meal planner. I would say, I'll just jot down, this is what I'm having for breakfast on Monday, lunch, dinner, and, and so on and so forth. So that takes out a huge, believe it or not, deciding your food means your grocery run. When are you taking that grocery run? And what goes into that grocery run? And in front of your grocery shop, making so many, if you can make your food decision, yeah. start of the week or, you know, in your weekends, it takes out like a massive chunk of your decision making throughout through your week and it clears out some bandwidth for you. Mm-hmm. And what it helps you do is not procrastinate because you have time now. Your brain's open now to make some decisions for you now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, doing is mostly about deciding to do. True. Right? And, and and for and to make that decision you, your brain has to be available. And mm-hmm. if you're making these thousand, you know, uh, mundane decisions every day your brain is not going to just have that bandwidth for you. And, and, and that's it, right? Uh, um, I try to make other decisions for myself uh, at the beginning of the week. Uh, it's work sometimes. I'm still a work in progress, so it's not work most of the times. Like, what workout am I doing, uh, you know, every day of the week? Uh, most of them have it. Like, most of the people who go to the gym or work out regularly have it, but I don't uh, because I'm not one of those people. I easily get bored going to the same gym. Uh, I want something new every day. So um, I, I I try to not take that decision. I just go where the food takes me, anything. Um, but but yeah, I, I, the most decisions you can make for yourself before those decisions are upon you, mm. the better it'll be for your productivity. Okay. But, but, but Arvind, like, you know, many a times at life, you know, we are stuck with so many things to do. Say, for example, we have like A, B, C, and D. And how do we actually prioritize them? Probably based on how important they are, we would prioritize it higher. But how do you prevent burnout? Like, you know, there are times when we want to do a million different things. And then we go do that. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, my God, I don't have the energy to do it at all. So what is that one tip that you would say for people who are juggling between so many tasks? And how do you actually streamline uh, that? No, actually... Uh, I would love if I knew the answer to that uh, because handling priorities and matching priorities is like the biggest task of any entrepreneur. Um, if you're at the sea levels, you're juggling so many decisions, you're juggling so many priorities every day, and most of them are combating for your attention. Mm-hmm. And most often you make poor decisions. Like there's no way around it, right? So uh, I would really love if if there was an actual solution to it um but the truth is in in life in general if you if you think about it like um taking myself off my shoes and if i were like someone who is trying to make decisions for me personally for the next five years how would i decide my priorities where do my priorities lie how do i do that um it's it's pretty simple like i i, I think again i don't know if it's warren buffett who said this but you know, you write down the top 20 things and you take out anything that's more after the fifth one, right? You write down the top 20 things that, that is important to you, mm-hmm. that top 20 things you want to do, those are your priorities. And then anything beyond the fifth number, forget about it. Like, they're, they're just not going to happen. I think you said that about ideas or something. I'm not, I can't quite remember. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, but that's a great way to think about it. If you think, just if you find if you find you're battling combat if you're battling priorities then just write them down right mm-hmm. and and try to remove them try to think to yourself like all right i don't want to do this mm-hmm. does it affect anything in my life right and you look at that list again this goes against my procrastination um thing i mean you you tend to procrastinate uh, if if you do this, but if you if you look at that list, it's quite obvious which one you wanna which one you wanna take. Um, but if there was one trick that you could do, you know, maybe having deadlines to all your tasks, all your priorities, that will help help you understand. All right, regardless of how important it is or not, uh, if it's not done now, it's gonna be too late, right? Uh, if if you had that mindset. If you make yourself time poor, then you got to get most of the stuff done without procrastinating, right? Um, but still, what happens when something of a higher priority uh, with a longer deadline 
but needing more of your time comes up now. Um, I think that's where you got to free up most of your day to make that interesting decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's really cool. I mean, a lot of people have been juggling. Even recently, I was talking to a couple of my friends and they were like, I have so many things to do and they go into this burnout and then they procrastinate and they end up actually quitting everything they have started, which is really pathetic at the end of the day to see that you put your dreams, everything at stake and then you think that's all right, isn't it? No, I, I, I think it's, it's fine. It's fine to be burnt out, burnt out. Um, be happy uh, mm. that you have enough things going on for yourself, that you actually are burnt out. There are people um, out there who but getting burnt out is making them burn out. You know, they, they don't have much to do. And it, so be happy that you, you are having things to do. Uh, it's just about finding the right way to execute them. So you're not you're not psychologically, mentally stressed, not psychologically. It's mentally stressed and physically stressed. How can I remove that stress factor, right? And I watch a lot of cricket. I play a lot of cricket. And um, nobody who's, who's playing cricket um, would, not, would, would not stop adoring Tony, right? And very often than not, he has some weird little things that he does. Mm-hmm. He sleeps on the field. He slept on the field once. And and it, it made a big news. And then most of the pictures of him uh, in social media is, about, is him sleeping, taking a quick nap. And sometimes people ask, I mean, and even if you look at his biopic, um, Sushant Singh Rajput, was, he played that. He played brilliantly, right? And he, uh, he would come out from that, you know, one of the worst matches of his life where Yuvraj would have smashed him. And he's talking to his friends, but he would have been sleeping inside one of his friends' place. And they would be curious to understand what's going on. I mean, that's I, I probably think that's dramatized. But what they're trying to get across is those power naps. They they probably help sometimes, right? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't advise taking a power nap in the middle of your work, but you know, if you can if you can find the time to just let go of things in the middle of the day, and and just come back with that fresh. 4.30 morning brain. Uh, that's that's a great way to prevent burnout because um, it's a clean little trick that, you know, it's a part of our evolution. It's part of your biology. Um, if you can get some shatai and uh, if you can meditate, that's better, but you can't. Uh, I can't meditate peacefully in the middle of work. But if you can get some shatai, uh, I think that's where you have like sleep pods in many of these offices. Um, that's a great way to do it. But that's it. Have I done that? No. I, I've i never found myself... Uh, I, I tried tried that once. It just never... I just, just never could do it. But something I found other people are doing, uh, successful leaders doing, um, might be interesting if you guys give it a try. Especially if you're not a CEO, you should definitely give it a try, you know? I... Great. That, that would, they were great insights. And, uh, you know... I, I think I remember searching for cheat sheets when I was back in engineering. Or if I'm looking to learn a new language, the first thing that I go to see is, is there a cheat sheet to learn this? So, but I, I know that entrepreneurship is not something that you can put inside a book or inside a paper and say, this is it, you know, this is the, the mantra to become a successful entrepreneur. But then you would have a few things in your mind to think as to, you know, these, these are the list of things that I think are very essential for a person or even the list of skills that a person actually have to have. And if not, if they don't, if they don't have it through, for example, you had it through your experience, your working experience, right? So if there is someone starting out who has no experience, probably they're out from bachelors and they have an idea. In that case, like, what would be that one thing or what would be a guideline that you would give them that they could actually look into and see, well, just keep taking off and then how would that actually help them to start a company from there? I think there's, there's no, there's no cheat sheet to building a startup, like doing anything in life, right? You, yeah. you have a goal and you want to become like the fastest runner on earth. You want to, mm-hmm. you, you want to actually beat the record of Usain Bolt, right? Like that's a great ambition to have. Um, it's very comparable to like, um, building a startup, regardless of what you want to do in your life. I think there's no cheat sheet to it, mm-hmm. but there's a discipline to it, right? And <laughs> the only thing that you have to keep in mind is you you have to 
you have to build your discipline around it you got to start worshiping that idea of yours right uh, that's what i did like uh, laborious worship of yeah this is where i'm headed and i believe in it i genuinely believe in it i have faith in myself i have faith in the idea that that it'll it'll be a success at the end right for, first off belief and faith and to some extent worship of of your own idea of your own goal and for that you know you got to know what where you get it right so mm-hmm. that's a whole journey itself don't ask me that now but once you've identified that um worshiping that um and then being perseverant about it mm-hmm. perseverance is is like the biggest cheat sheet Mm-hmm. it's it's got to be practiced mm-hmm. um so i'll give you an example of how i practice perseverance mm-hmm. i failed in my startup mm-hmm. just just before in shorty and um i i can genuinely say that i i was like okay i need to take a couple of years break right and um and and just work somewhere gather some experience gobble up um some new experiences meaning no not just work experience but some uh, going to new places meeting new people and i don't know what i was going to do where i was going to go but that's exactly what i wanted to do right uh, but i never gave up on that belief right i was going to i was going to do it but just a little later because i needed fresh perspectives i was doing something wrong i needed to figure out what that is and and to do that i need to take uh, an effort to understand myself mm-hmm. to understand my skills um around which i operated and obviously then understand how, what can i do differently i have to rebuild myself to some extent and that's what it did right um but it happened so that those two years i was actually going to work on my startup instead of someone else like it just happened so perseverance is is just about knowing where you want to go and saying i will go there i'll not give up no matter what and to practice that it's quite simple you just got to not give up you just got to say to yourself um all right i am headed towards this and i'm not giving up it's like a marathon you are running 45 kilometers um and you want to get to the goal post right you're not going to give up for nothing like you're going to die probably but you're not going to give up for nothing so if if you had that perseverance and that's why runners i mean most of the entrepreneurs they they love a good run because running you set yourself a target like 5 kilometers 10k i'm going to run a 5k now and and you just go do it right and you're going to run a 10k and you're going to do it so i mean there's there's something there's a dopamine hit about hitting uh, hitting that target um maybe that but you know you got to build up to it and mm-hmm. perseverance is the only way to like say all right when i reach there i'm going to be so happy i'm not going to give up now so if there was one thing there was one thing that you have to focus on right now practice perseverance practice mm-hmm. not giving up on anything like the smallest thing in your life it doesn't have to be your biggest goals or anything it can be the smallest thing in life like like so many of my friends smoke right like um friends from my bachelor's they they smoke a lot um i mean they they struggle to give up smoking mm-hmm. and perseverance if you want to hit your goal i mean smoking is nothing i don't believe smoking is anything to do with your goals or anything um it, it is harmful <laughs> uh but it's your personal choice right yeah. so i don't have anything to say about that but if you wanted to hit your goal you can hit your goal like if you quit your smoke that's just an example i'm trying to give up coffee now but i'm sipping coffee mm-hmm. i'm trying to give up caffeine i drink like three or four cups of coffee and um uh, now i'm down to like one cup in like three days which is that cup um so uh yeah i mean challenge yourself mm-hmm. practice perseverance in the smallest of opportunities and that will become a habit for anything in your life right? you just it will be subconsciously programmed into you that you're not someone who takes no for an answer okay that's that's the best cheat sheet that's worked for me that's great this is gonna really change the way i personally even do things so that's a great thing uh thanks arvind and uh in terms of the uh the funding right so how did you go about it so did you have a do you have really have a mentor who actually gives you insights on or or in your entrepreneurship where you were at ucc or 
then you were in those accelerators and incubators. Did they guide you into it? Or how was that? How, how did that go? Now, one, one thing you got to know about startups, right? There's going to be no lack of mentors. Mm. Everybody wants to call themselves a mentor. Um, everybody are a mentor in a mm. way, right? They, they just are good at things. That mm. As an entrepreneur, you just got to be able to find out the difference between uh, a genuine advice and a bullshit, right? Okay. <laughs> and so did I go by my mentor's advice? Yes. Mm. Uh, but most often, no. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was about selecting. I, I, I'm, I always welcome criticism. So I, I just take it all in mm-hmm. and I just find out which is genuine criticism that I'm going to actually act upon mm-hmm. and criticisms that I'm just going to laugh about. Right. Um, so that, that was key uh, about handling your mentors around fundraising. And if you're fundraising, there's going to be a lot of people telling, you know, this is the best way to do it. And, and a lot of people do speak with experience don't get me wrong like they they do come with experience uh, but the weird thing about fundraising is uh, like anything else in life there's there's no absolute um you know path to get to funding right if if there was one uh please do tag me on to that uh, i i would love to take a look because we are going to be starting to fundraise quite soon um yeah, so there is no absolute one way. You got to build your way, right? For us, it was we did get an offer from a VC and we turned it down. And it was oh. audacious, audacious to like, like say say no to like a VC money at that early in the game. Like we had zero customers, we had a product that was still under development, never deployed. Mm-hmm. We had a customer that was maybe, I guess, um, and then we said no, we're not going to take your money. We're going to wait for something else. And then we went ahead and did the hardest thing possible, uh, which was raise money from private individuals. Oh, okay. Private angels. And it would just, so that's why we have like a dozen people on our board now, because everybody put in like, uh, it was technically a friends and family round, but supercharged. We, we raised like half a million with, mm. with so many people. And, what that meant was we brought people who believed in insurance on board, who believed in our vision, mm-hmm. who believed in us. Mm-hmm. And when you have a bunch of people who believe in you, not just the numbers, you know, who believe in you and your idea, that brings a sense of responsibility onto you. Mm-hmm. And that brings a sense of um, credibility. To your own idea for yourself right it, it's a stamp of approval that you give to your own idea all right this is serious boy have these people invested like ceos of certain companies ceos of insurance companies have invested ex-ceos of insurance companies have invested in growth and, and i guess that's where it started for us and uh, how did we get there we designed a pitch it took us about four months mm-hmm. um to actually identify this we uh we did a pitch to like I think 48 to 50 people, mm-hmm. the same pitch. I would I would do the pitching. Um, my co-founder on the call would take most of the, call, most of the questions. I would do the pitches and um, it'd be, you know, I, I think it was just about a week and a half mm-hmm. and we called 48 people. And that was around 12 or 13 pitches. I just can't remember. I have to look at my calendar, but we'd, put these people into this room and it was happening the peak of COVID. So it all happened online. I was in India and just put these people into the room and just, I would just pitch. It was a five minute pitch and they would listen at the end of it. Uh, they would invest. And yeah, it was like dragon's den or shark tank that we designed for ourselves. Um, and it was never done before, as 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 far as I have known. Like you go in front of angels that you network with them, and then, but yeah, truth to be said, we did network with a few angels who have like warm leads, and then they introduced us to these forty-eight or fifty different people. Um, but the journey was about a four to five month journey, like half a year we spent on you know fundraising as well as building. So, I don't know if if that's a journey you want to take. There's an awful lot of learnings that that we got out of it. And if you wanted to build your startup, the best money is always your customer's money, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say, let's let's assume this. You are working with someone 
Okay, let's take your case. Okay, um, you're working with someone. You're happy with your employer, I believe. Uh, I, I think you've been saying good things about uh, your job there, uh, putting you on the spot, but that's what I do. Um, um, yeah, I think I think you love your job, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't give it up just yet. Uh, but you also have an idea. Uh, let's say you're working on, and let's say that even this podcast, you wanna you wanna make this uh, one of one of the best things that you do. Uh, how do you go about it? You don't quit your job. Yeah. You bootstrap. You bootstrap. The best thing to do is bootstrap, and um, and you have baby little steps going towards it. Once you start s- seeing the revenue coming off of this, mm-hmm. there's a sense of confidence for yourself, right? That's that's your day. That's your day. You quit your job, and yeah. <laughs> it might be a day that. People might say, you know, I this business got to give me the same salary that my existing company gives. That's going to take time. Right? Let's face it. And most often than not, as an entrepreneur, you decide not to pay yourself. So, uh, in, in our company, we probably pay ourselves the least, or comparable to the least, right? And um, both me and my co-founder. So think, um, as an entrepreneur, you'd always pay yourself low, and you got to you know, build yourself around it. Uh, you got to build a lifestyle around that because the upside to all of the sacrifice is big. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, the satisfaction that you get out of building something, creating something, that's that's huge. That's what you live for. That's what you wake up every day. And so the monetary value becomes less important. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have that kind of a mindset, then, uh, and also this finding that, yes, I'm, I'm seeing some revenue out of it, that the business can sustain itself. Uh, it's not just about you, it's about the business. Can it sustain itself? Can it pay for itself? Um, then you quit. Then, then then, you start working by yourself. And then when you find an opportunity for expansion, when you find an opportunity to increase your burn under the reasoning that there is growth potential, that is revenue potential at the end of it, that's when you fundraise. You don't... Like, I, I always find startups, like, they have a great idea. And what they do, the next thing, it's fundraise. Like, amazing. I've got this idea. Let me go and pitch to a few people, see if someone sticks some money in my pocket. No, people don't do that. Like, especially right now, with, with everything that's going on in the world, even startups who has raised before, like, we would struggle. People who are successful than us will struggle even more. Growth capital is becoming more and more um difficult to achieve and due diligence is taking much longer mm-hmm. and i'm hearing a lot of challenging stories coming across from my own network mm-hmm. but i think the best way and and if, if if you have to refer a page in uh in in the book of recession then look at 2007 right people mm-hmm. who figured out the challenges are now trillion dollar companies true right yeah. uh, and and it's just about perseverance most of them only, only focus on revenue. Mm-hmm. Okay, and startups these days are focused on valuation, uh, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. um, because because you have a lot of capital, then you deploy a lot of people, and then there, there's a lot of startups who are becoming profitable that route. But when an environment comes up where capital is going to be in big demand and short supply, um, then you got to find a way around bootstrapping, and bootstrapping is the best way. That's worked for thousands of years. People who went across the world, did their trade, uh, made their mark, bootstrapped their way through. There was no VCs in um, in 13th century or 11th century, you know, uh, Chola Kingdom, and, and they they sailed all the way up to like uh, Vijayanagar Empire. Sorry, um, I think I, I forgot the name of that empire. They sailed all the way up to like New Zealand of today, uh, Australia of today, and there was no VCs around. Uh, the, the king was actually struggling, uh, the emperor was struggling, but they still managed to um, build a huge shipping company that's, that, that made um, uh, the, the, the entire maritime silk road possible. That happened in 10th, 11th century Tamil Nadu. Um, and so how is that possible? Like bootstrapping, right? And uh, I think uh, I'll I'll give you a reference to that story sometime. But um, they found the same shipping company um, and, and the ruins of those shipping company in New Zealand. They found it near uh, Arab. That tells us that it's it's been widespread. There's so many ships 
that they have built even the British bought a few ships 300 years later um, from them. And it, it's it's a great thing, right? And that, there was no VCs around then. Um, in fact, uh, I, I think the British East India Company, I'm not sure about this, I have to refer my facts, but I think the British East India Company was not bootstrapped. It was it was it was a fundraise thing, and then I think it was paid for by the queen herself to come here. Okay. Um, so that could be the first version of VC, but all this happened before that, and uh, and and that brought all the wealth to our place. Um, that was there, and 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 you see the kind of monuments they've built uh, in south of Tamil Nadu that that represents their. I mean, all of that was possible because there was perseverance and there was. Um, um, Sorry, there was perseverance and there was bootstrapping involved in it. If if you had multiple people funding you, uh, you might not not come that far. Um, so bootstrapping always works. It's it's a tried and tested strategy that's that's been there for like thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So you might as well give it a try before you want to fund this. Yeah, I mean we have a lot to learn from our from the history, isn't it? That we don't really look apart. We look into the modern way of learning things. There are loads of people writing books and loads of YouTube channels, uh, Y Combinator, and so many people out there putting uh, how they are doing it, how they're supporting the startups. But agree. No, like, I think, I yeah. think they, you know, to, to make a relevant argument, like they, that's a metaphorical um, example that I gave. Um, you see, money was definitely invented long ago and it was prevalent, especially in the silk trade, the maritime silk trade route. There's, it's, it's existed since we, we've seen money exist. Um, money has existed since like, you know, 500 BC uh, in, in the south of Tamil Nadu. And there's a lot to learn from it. And mm-hmm. um, I, I wouldn't say that. But, you know, is it comparable to the financial systems of today? Maybe yes, maybe no. We don't know enough about them. Uh, but what is very interesting is um, is the kind of perseverance they had with the technology and access. I mean, if it, if visions like those uh, were were possible in in the times that they lived in, mm-hmm. it feels like we are not doing justice True. to all the innovation that 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 we are doing. And, and that's that's all I take away from history, right? It's, uh, I don't, there's not enough, you know, at least I have not come across enough uh, information about the monetary policies and um, the financial systems that were put in place, except for some excerpts about Chola Kingdom. I've not come across anything um, significant. Um, so, yes, there is a lot of value in the YouTube shows and uh, that explains you about the monetary systems of today to keep you updated and all of that. But to draw inspiration from these stories are extremely, extremely relevant. Like, if people, I mean, if you look at Tamil Nadu today, uh, I would say that is um, our place doesn't have enough entrepreneurial spirit, except for Chennai. Um, I, I think there could be more like global ambitions coming out of our place. I think that's not happening, right? I think uh, we need to we need to refocus on that. It's it's usually that people did this two thousand years ago. People did this three thousand years ago. Going to be so happy about it. But what the fuck have you done? Sorry, excuse my French. Uh, so, uh, what what have you done? You know, and uh, no, th- that question is always bothered me. So I wouldn't get too bogged down with the history. It inspires me, um, but it's got to build your own legacy. Uh, mm. It's been two thousand freaking years, right? Uh, there's been empires that's changed and all of that. So I wouldn't get bogged down in the history. It's it's really important to draw the inspiration from there and focus on what's happening today and how can we how can we you know sort of make happen today great that was very insightful so what are the kind of sacrifices have you made like you know you told me that the first year was very lonely and it was a lonely journey all through but were there any sacrifices that you had to make for the business for starting your company and how was that or did you not have to do i think I think a lot of personal sacrifices have to be made and um, people in your family have to understand that. Um, you got to have a supportive partner, which I did. Um, so on and so forth. Like it's, it's just about, uh, um, you know, you don't know, like for me personally, I, I wouldn't call any of them a sacrifice. It was all a journey, learning, learning mm-hmm. uh, experience for me. 
in the grand scheme of things, a six month of loneliness in in some place, yeah, um, it is worth it, right? And and I actually enjoyed it, to be frank. Uh, it is. It was lonely. It was freaking lonely. Um, but there was that calm, and there was that silence, and there was so much uh, that that you can learn off of that silence. It's the noise that your head is making. It's the noise that is coming from inside you, and and that is important. It's it's super important to spend a lot of time with yourself. So if if anything, I try to spend some time by myself every day, like just listening to myself because. Um, I think I have I've seen this in the in Big Bang Theory. Sheldon says this like, um, "Who's who's your favorite friend?" Like my brain, I I hang out I hang out a lot with my brain, and then Leonard goes back saying, "You know, uh, you should stop hanging out with your brain. It's a bad influence." Like, I mean, um, that is very true. Like people don't have don't spend enough time with themselves, like their own head, uh, their own thoughts, and um, they end up echoing things that they are looking at, they are listening to, and um, primarily it has to be your own voice, but it's not. Get so it. we are becoming this, you know, big social monkey, um, which is this echoing the thoughts of the society, which is probably architected, probably not. I don't want to go into that debate. Agree. So I think a lot of people aren't really looking into what they're capable of or spending enough time with themselves. As you say, they're just looking at social media and they see someone post something and they're like, yeah, that's great. And they hang on with that thought for a while and then they dish that thought for a while after that. So that's true. So analyzing what we need or what we have to do in life is very important. And uh, which I think the current generation needs to learn a lot. So what do you have free time as an entrepreneur? Do, do you have free time? Or what do you do in your free time? Do you read books or is that a favorite book of yours? Jeez, that's a tough <laughs> one. Um, okay, yes, I do have free time. Right? I have to make free time for myself, but I make sure that I find some free time. Okay. Um, can I go without a free time? Probably, uh, but I'll I'll probably turn mad and you know, start speaking to pigeons and stuff. But that's that's exactly why I want some free time. Um, so it's important to find time for yourself um, to do things that. I mean, for an entrepreneur, it's so difficult to say you to do things that you'd like because the, the biggest thing you like is building your business, and that's so relaxing. <laughs> Sometimes stressful, but relaxing for me. But um, when you when you go doing one thing so long it, it actually wrecks your brain so you got to take time off and go find the second best thing you can do um or the third best thing you can do right which i do um i do read a lot of books um unfortunately not i don't know if much of the audience uh, i don't know about your audience so i don't know if they will know these books but i read a lot of kalki uh, from yeah, tamil books basically i uh, i read pony and selvan is my favorite by far like i've i've read harry potter i've read lot of the rings i've read you know god named the biggest uh, series of novels but nothing even comes close to like the detail and the research that's gone into pony and selvan um so that's by far my favorite book um and uh what else like in english i think um i i love the books written by peter thiel Mm-hmm. there's there's a sense of you know um experience in in his thoughts and the sense of candidness in his writing i i like that um i like simon sinek um i i don't f- i mean yeah, all of, all of what he says is sensible um, mm-hmm. i i don't find i i don't know if everybody's got to go and find your way um uh, I, i don't agree with completely with simon but his thoughts are very fresh mm-hmm. simon's someone um who who is constantly thinking and is very curious about the human mind mm-hmm. um i find that interesting great i there's there's a lot of other authors but these are the ones stand out and um, do, do you kind of listen you don't have to tell it for me but do you listen to podcast or do you do you are you a visual learner or kind of thing do you actually watch youtube or do you have time for it i i i, I do watch youtube but unfortunately it tires me 
um, and like YouTube is very tiring. So if you go into my phone, my phone's like the most boring phone. Um, it doesn't have to be a phone. It could be, it, it, it doesn't have to be an iPhone, to be honest. Um, if I wasn't building a startup which does a bit of mobile application development, uh, I, I could actually live with like the, the old, you know, click phones, the button phones, because there's literally nothing in my phone. Like I don't have Facebook, I don't have Instagram, like zero social media except for like LinkedIn. Um, I do have Twitter, which I barely look at. All my social media is notification um, disabled, so no, but nothing gets through to me. I don't have a YouTube app in my phone, and um, if I want to watch YouTube, I'll chill in the TV. That means I got to be someplace. I got to be at some time to watch it. Yeah. Um, but YouTube is tiring, so I don't watch YouTube. Books are not tiring for me mm-hmm. because every day, this is the kind of work I do, right? I speak to people and uh, do things. So books are easier for me in the eye when I go in my Kindle. It's completely different from what I do. I'm not looking at my screen. I'm not looking at any screen. Mm-hmm. It's like a book. And it's text. I'm not talking to another person. So it's completely different. So I want to get a uh, get that change of you know feel or change of what I'm actually doing. Then Kindle's my best go to. Uh, I've actually created a habit of listening to podcasts okay. uh, while I drive to work. Now I I do drive now to work, so I have like forty minutes every morning and forty minutes every evening to like listen to something. Uh, I'd rather listen to a podcast than and music uh, because music's sort of I've exhausted my playlist and I'm getting sick of it so I, I'm starting to listen to podcasts I might go back to music in a few weeks but mm-hmm. yeah um, InsureTech Insights is one of my favorite podcasts uh, because obviously uh, and then who's my favorite podcast host uh, Nigel Walsh he is um, he's one of my favorite podcast co-hosts actually and he's also the MD of um, insurance wing at google so he heads that so uh his insights are very fresh and they have regular set of episodes and he can have a for some for an industry which is um insurance industry is generally not that progressive right like if you look at it um he just makes it different like nigel's he 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 just makes it completely different and sounds completely interesting which is which is what it deserves so uh, he's probably one of the hosts that I am appearing in a few podcasts. Um, so I'm starting to listen to them, uh, including yours. Um, but podcasts are a very new thing for me, to be honest. Like I am not used to listening to podcasts. It's only been a couple of weeks since I started listening to them. Yeah, podcast has been on the rise at least from the past year, and this year it is kind of booming. Every 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 little business, every business or every corner of the person that you meet is probably having a YouTube channel or a podcast. So podcast is booming. It is. It is. It's interesting to see how uh, it's kind of navigating from YouTube, Instagram to podcast right now. And as you said, I find podcasts very informative as well. Uh, me switching over between songs and podcasts is happening quite more these days. Uh, so rather than songs, I feel podcasts are very much informative and you you gather a lot as well. Uh, so, yeah. There's but- lots of these kinds of ebooks, right? I've not tried them, but uh, I have this, you know, weird mind block that they are not as good as a real book. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I should give it a try sometime. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about that as well. Should should try that. Um, but yeah, uh, but we have come to the end of the podcast and uh, Thanks a million, uh, Arvind. You have given loads and tons of insights and information that uh, out the people out there, uh, anyone out like me as a professional or anyone who wants to start like a business or anyone leading their life who's having really stressful work ethic or work routine, they're going to be highly benefited by this. But thanks a million again for coming to the podcast and all the very best for your future ventures and your future works and efforts that you put into Ensurely. And yeah, so thanks so much for having me. I think uh, I think it was it was great to look back at my own journey. Um, you know, set aside some time and probably journal this. But uh, yeah, it's it's been great being here and uh, for once, you know, stepping out of that casual coffee chats that that we usually have and uh, going to like a framework of doing this podcast. 
that's been interesting and uh, I, I'd wish you luck in, in the podcast. I'm going to be, a, um, you're going to have plus one follower today. Um, you, you should probably have it now. I don't know, I have to check. But yeah, I think uh, what you're doing is amazing. The vision that you had for yourself and uh, the, the way you've executed that so far is impressive. And I'm going to be, you know, always one of the people cheering behind. So good luck with everything that you do as well. Thanks, Arvind. You've always been a support uh, starting from the start of our friendship until now. And to the listeners, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link. Uh, is it all right if I link your company's website down? Uh, oh, absolutely. Go on. I, I think I'm, I'm also available on Twitter. Um, I did say I don't look at it that often, so don't be offended. But I, I definitely check uh, towards the end of the day or something. And I'm very active on LinkedIn, so you can you can reach me there as well. So yeah, so to the listeners, over to the listeners, I hope this whole session was informative and really insightful. So I will link his handles down and um, also his company's website and the other platforms where this will be streaming, uh, such as YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So don't forget to subscribe. And thanks. Sure, thanks. See you then. See you.